me to Philippians chapter 4, if you will. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> We're in a series uh, during this time called Feed Your Mind, because this is a time where our minds can be taken to places they don't need to be taken to, and discouragement can set in. I saw uh, the Barna organization is a Christian polling organization, and they, uh, they poll Christians, they poll churches, they poll pastors, and uh, I saw the poll this week, and if you watched my devotion uh, earlier this week, you, uh, you saw that I gave some statistics, and one of them is that almost of all people that went to church before the pandemic started, before churches were shut down, 50% have not watched the church online in the last four weeks. That tells me that this is really doing a number on people, especially, and, and especially Christians. And we need to be alert. We need to be on guard <laughs> because Satan is going to try to destroy you any way he can. And by getting the government, and I'll, I'll say it, I'll say, I'll shout it from the rooftops, man, getting the government to take away your right to go to church. Now you tell me whether it was right or wrong when half of our, half of our brothers and sisters no longer watch after just four weeks and they went to church before that. But that's not what we're gonna be preaching about this morning. But we're talking about feeding your mind and the importance of keeping a strong mind, keeping a strong head on your shoulders and keeping yourself focused on Jesus Christ and his peace in times of such amazing struggle. Listen, if you need any more evidence that we are living in the last days, look at what's going on now in our country. It's amazing. But we need to keep our minds focused on Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and one other thing. I just looked over, saw Osvaldo again. Next Sunday night, Osvaldo and Flavia, they're gonna be, we're going to be starting a Brazilian service on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. And it's going to be exciting. They're going to be meeting in the fellowship hall. And uh, so pray for them as that kicks off again. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. Uh, excited. It, I, I've never been in that situation where I'm in a church that I need an interpreter, or I, I'm in a church where I'd under, I, I've been there one time when I was in Korea. I went to a, a, church, a Korean church, and I didn't understand anything, and I felt complete, completely out of place, a completely out of place. They sang How Great Thou Art, and I could sing along with them in English because I could follow the music, but I had no idea what they were saying. So I believe that this is the best thing for those in our congregation who are Brazilian by birth, and that is their, their um, culture. And uh, we, are, uh, but I want you to understand this. We're still one church. It's just different ministries. That's all this is, okay? So we're still united, but it is best, just like we have women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies because women uh, learn better, I think, with women and men learn better with men. You can be more open. We have a Brazilian service for people who understand Portuguese better than they understand English or that's their culture, whatever the case may be. So pray for them this week. I'm excited about that. But let's jump into this. <laughs> this I, we finished up a series, uh, a, a mini-series uh, about anger, dealing with your anger last week. And this message kind of wraps it all up together. And it's called After the Anger. What do you do after the anger? Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 say, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Paul Chapel, the pastor of uh, uh, Lancaster Baptist Church out in uh, Lancaster, California, uh, those of you who, who know Mike Aubrey, friend of mine, Mike Aubrey, uh, that's the church, I believe that's the church him and his boys went to out there. It says, as long as you live on earth, you won't see the end of injustices. Yet God desires for you to let go of injustices and hold on to his grace. Only he can give you the power to forgive those who have hurt you the deepest. Henry Ward Beecher said, I can forgive, but I, can for I cannot forget is only another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two and burned up, so that it never can be shown against one. <clears throat> what we are seeing in our nation today over the last few days is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Anger is spilling over. Martin Luther King, in one of his speeches, said, let justice roll down like mighty waters. We're seeing anger roll down like mighty waters, destroying everything in its path. We're seeing a perfect storm, what I believe is a perfect storm develop, right before our eyes. Americans have been on lockdown for over three months. Many have lost their jobs, many have lost their businesses, many have lost friends and loved ones, and the anger has been building. Many are desperate and feeling helpless and hopeless. <laughs> now, if you're white, I challenge you to listen to the rest of this. Adding to the frustration and anger of the times is 400 years of racial tensions, racial issues, and racial sins that have never truly been dealt with, nor has accountability been taken. We have a race issue in America. More than most people, especially white people, want to admit. And no one wants to take responsibility, and no one wants to truly fix the problem. And so it sat there. Most times it sat under, surf under the surface, simmering and seasoning like firewood waiting for the right time to burst into flames. And then a man of color is brutally murdered on the streets by four men, not one, four men, who were sworn to protect and serve. This was the match. Let me just get personal for a second. Um, I wrote a long post on Facebook this week about this topic. And it was, it's been tough because I'm white. I grew up white. I've always been white. I'm not gonna change. I'm always gonna be white, just the way it is. If you haven't noticed, I'm white. Now, I was born in Puerto Rico. So I'm Puerto Rican by birth, but I'm English by, by descent. I'm white, I'm as white as they come. But I have, and I, and I have five children. I have three daughters, uh, two daughters. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> I, have, I have two daughters. 
Jody and I have Rayanne. And I have Zach, my oldest son. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I have seven grandchildren, six of them are still with us. Four of them are white. My two youngest sons are Puerto Rican. They're brown. For those of you who are watching who may not know, <clears throat> my wife and I <clears throat> adopted Gabriel and Michael. They're Puerto Rican by heritage. My two youngest granddaughters are mixed race. They're half white and half African American. As I watched the video of this man's life being taken away from him, by someone who was sworn to protect and serve. And I watched the smug look on his face as if he was putting down a cow for slaughter. All I could think of was that my two brown sons have to fear that growing up. My white son doesn't have to. I don't have to. I've never, been, I've never been pulled over for being driving while white. But I know that in this country, because of the racial tension, because of the racial history, because of the attitudes of people in my town towards people of color, that my sons have to watch out simply because their skin is brown. And it brought home to me a message that people have been trying to shout out to me for years. There's a problem, and you have to be part of the solution. I started years ago talking with Melvin Edwards. Melvin, if you're watching, I know you'll be watching at 10.30 probably. Hello, Melvin and Suzanne. Um, and I started talking with him about this, and man, you talk about sometimes more than I could take, and Melvin's been gracious with me and, and honest with me, and I've talked with other men and women of color, and when they finally see that you really want to hear what they have to say, then they'll talk to you. Where we're at, is a terrible place to be. Here we find ourselves in a horrible time in history. Oddly enough, through the years, this is where it gets even better, folks. Oddly enough, through the years, the church has largely been silent on the issue. We've been silent on the issue of race, especially the white church. The white church has been silent on race. <laughs> The fact that we even define our churches by color is part of the problem. We're satisfied. Listen to this. Listen to this, folks. We're sat and, I, and listen. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna lay it out today. What have I got to lose, Zach? Right. Listen. If this offends you and you're white, good. If this makes you uncomfortable and you're white, well, I'm happy about that, because man, this has made me uncomfortable. This has broken my heart. 
The fact that we even define our churches by color is part of the problem. We're satisfied to worship and serve the same Jesus, to win souls to the kingdom of God that will spend eternity together separately. Isn't that something? We are satisfied to worship the same Jesus that died on the cross, that shed the same blood for the same people, no matter what your skin tone is. And we're satisfied here in this country to do it separately. We're going to spend eternity together. And we're satisfied to do that separately. Shame on us. Shame on us all. We have to deal with it. We have to come to grips with it. And we have to deal with our anger. And we have to take responsibility and be accountable. And I mean white people. We have to accept responsibility. <laughs> I'm like the insider, man, because I can say these things because I'm white. And I know what people say. You know what? It doesn't matter that you didn't own slaves. It doesn't. Anytime you don't speak out about what's wrong, anytime you don't speak out about injustice because you just don't care, you know what that means? You don't care. That's exactly what that means. It doesn't matter which side of the, of the war, of the civil war that your family fought on. That's not you. You have to take responsibility and accountability for your attitude, for your life, and for your actions in how you deal with people of different races and of different skin colors. Our own Pastor Osvaldo, Osvaldo, I'm sorry, he's from Brazil. He says he's felt that. He's felt the sting of racism here because Osvaldo, just like you can see I'm white, you can see Osvaldo's brown. He's a pastor. If that doesn't enrage you, if that doesn't make you stop and say, what is wrong? And what can I do about it? then I just don't know. It's not good enough to just not be a racist. And I'm not saying every, every white person is racist. Don't get me wrong. That's not what it means. But it's not good enough to just not be a racist. We have to be people willing to do something, willing to repair, willing to accept and live with our brothers and sisters as equals with no qualifications. We have to. Now, I've been, watched, I've been following Facebook, and I've been speaking out on these things, trying to be a voice of reason, and, and quite honestly, challenging people. There is somebody in this town, I've told you before about what my two youngest sons have dealt with. They were called the N-word in school by a child, by a child. Children learn from their parents, and I want to grab those parents by the throat and say, hey, listen, if you're going to teach your kid to be a bigot, teach him to be the right kind of bigot, because my boys are Puerto Rican. There's a totally different slur for us. So use the right one. That's being, trying to be a little bit funny, but that's the truth. And somebody in this town, somebody in our, our lily white town of East Longmeadow, in the liberal northeast where we are woke, called them animals and savages. I said, really? Is that what you meant to say? His response was, call PETA on me. 
Like, really? For those of you who don't know, PETA is the organization, it's in, it's, PETA stands for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Let me step, Brian, I'm gonna step from behind this, okay? I would love Drew. We got a backfield out here. Come on, brother. You and me are gonna have a chat, not you. This individual, we're gonna have a chat. We're gonna have a chat. Because I'll show you, I'll, I'll treat you like an animal. Now we'll get back here. Forgive me, God, that was anger. <laughs> You're talking about my sons. Y'all get that? When people say those kind of things, talk about my sons. Talk about my sons. What are we doing? What are we thinking? Where is our mind? Listen to these verses. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 28. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined in times and boundaries of where they live. He did so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are all also his offspring. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Luke 10, 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. John 17, verses 20 through 21, <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. None of these verses speak of division of races. None of them say that we have the right to be separate. In fact, there are no verses in the Bible that even allude to the segregation of races, especially in church. Yet here we are, separate but equal. And our country burns. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? Now this message was planned. The, the introduction took me a while to get my mind around as, as I prayed and asked God to give me leadership. But this message was planned about six weeks ago when the pandemic started. I, this, this whole series laid out. <clears throat> but I, I believe God knew. Because we have to figure out what to do after our anger. Eventually, these riots will subside. Eventually, the protests, hopefully the protests will continue. I gotta be honest with you. I hope the protests continue. The riots, please stop. Please stop. Don't burn somebody's building down. I get it. You're angry. I understand. But let's find a better way to do it. Okay? 
But we've got to deal with this issue. It's a deep-rooted sin in the church that the church has never dealt with. And if the church doesn't deal with it, and the church are the people, we, that's our catchphrase, right? Everybody that says, oh, we're going online because we can't go to church, but the church is outside the walls, then be outside the walls for crying out loud. If you want to be the church, then be the church. Amen. Stop looking at somebody as, as if they're terrible and bad and less than you because their skin is brown or black. Be the stinking church if you want to be the church. My goodness. Thank you. I need a tea right now. <laughs> Once again, product placement, Dunkin' Donuts, we're still looking. <laughs> Folks, there has to be change in the church on this matter. There has to be. We have to get ourselves in a place where we think and act right towards children of God of all colors. When you see somebody on TV, you don't just look at them and say, yeah, that's the way they've all, that's, that's the way they act because that's the way their kind is, right? Come on, white people, we know what is said. We know how people talk. We have to look at them and say, and why don't we just why don't we just start with asking a question? Why? Why? Why are they acting? What? Well, I've, I'll tell you what. Sit down and ask. Sit down and ask the questions of them. Why? Why do you feel this way? And I'll guarantee you, you'll get answers. You may not like them, but you'll get answers. How did we get here? We got here because of arrogance. We got here because of anger. And we got here because of unforgiveness. We've been talking about anger for a few weeks now and today's message wraps it up after the anger. Once we've finally gotten ourselves to a point of admitting, accepting, and dealing with our anger. And listen, I understand why people of color are angry, I really do. Now, I will, never, I will never understand from their perspective, but I can understand from my perspective as a father of two young men of color and two little, girls of co two little granddaughters of color, I can understand the fear. And it's something I can't protect them from. I can't protect them from that. I can, I can talk with bluster all I want. I can even threaten if I want, but it's not gonna change everybody. It's just not. So I have to learn how to deal with what comes after the anger, even when it comes to race, especially when it comes to race and the church. Can you imagine how much more effective the church would be in America if we were united? Let me just, let me throw this out as well. The world sees our response. The lost out there see our response, and they hear our silence on the matter. And they ask the same questions. Why aren't black people accepted in white churches? You know we have mega churches? Three, four, five, six thousand people. Not one of them is a person of color in this country. By the same token, we have mega churches that are, Afri that, that are of color. They're uh, mostly uh, brown and black people. Five, six, seven thousand people, and there, there's no white people. 
Why? How much more effective would we be and how much more credibility would we have in our community if we as a church were united despite our differences of skin tone? My goodness. How do we repair what we broke with our anger? How do we repair what we broke with our anger? After you've forgiven, there are steps to take to grow, to repair and to move away from anger as your response and even repair relationships that have been damaged by anger. That's what I wanna share with you this morning. And this has kind of been, obviously you can tell, this has kind of been molded around the idea of race relations and repairing that. And it's a purpose, it's a, listen, as, as the church, we can stand together and hold our hands and sing kumbaya and get along. But if it doesn't then motivate us to go out and, te and, and tell the world about Jesus Christ, that has done nothing. What, what strong race relations within the church will do will give us credibility with the world. It'll make us stronger. It'll truly help us to live out love to our brothers and sisters, especially those who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, but it will also help us to have more credibility with the world because we will be acting like Jesus acted. And let me just say this, you know, all the, all the old depictions of Jesus in European art had Jesus as white. Well, that's wrong. And now others say that Jesus was black and that he was from Africa. That's wrong. Jesus was a Jew, okay? He was a Jew. He was from Israel. He had, they're, 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 he's got, he had olive-colored skin, as far as I know. Whatever, I don't know what, what skin tone you call the, the Jewish race, but Jesus was a Jew, okay? He wasn't white. Understand that. So what do we do? First thing is this. Always make repentance and reconciliation the end game. Always make repentance and reconciliation the end game. We want to be seekers of truth, not makers of a point. Nothing erases the past. There is repentance, there is atonement, and there is forgiveness. That is all, but that is enough. That's what Ted Chang said. C.S. Lewis said, to be, a, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And R. Kent Hughes said, the cross is the ultimate evidence that there is no length the love of God will refuse to go in effecting reconciliation. God wants us to be together. Jesus Christ died so that we would be one. His prayer for the church, for those who would follow him, would be, was that we would be one and would work together. <laughs> I was watching a, a YouTube video of a discussion. Kirk Franklin, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, <laughs> Dr. Tony Evans. I don't know, anybody ever listened to Dr. Tony Evans preach? Man is incredible, incredible, just what a great mind. He's African-American, and there were uh, two other uh, white uh, pastors on the panel, and they were talking about race. And Kirk Franklin was talking about Dr. Tony Evans, and he said, Dr. Evans just published his commentary on the Bible. I thought, well, that's awesome. I read commentaries. <laughs> I can't write one, but I can read one. But then he said... 
It's the first commentary printed in America by a black man. What? And that, it's, not that, it's not that there aren't enough black pastors who are smart enough to write commentaries. Somebody's not printing them. <laughs> I just don't get it. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Matthew 5, verses 23 through 24. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer the gift. In other words, God wants us to be united in purpose and in family more than he wants our sacrifice of worship. God wants us to be one church, and that's one not just with white people, being with white people, and not one with brown people being with brown people and, and black people being with black people. He wants us to be one as a church, as a body. Because all followers of Jesus Christ, all believers in Jesus Christ, are part of the universal body of Christ. How's that make you feel? How's that make you feel? Did you know in the spirit world, you may have a black finger? <laughs> Come on, give me something on that. Give me some laughter. Because we are all different. We're like, a, we're like a multicolored, multicolored when it comes to the body of Christ as God sees us. What's the second thing we need to do? We need to pray for healing. Right now, I mean, pray for the healing of our nation. Pray for the healing of people's hearts and minds. Pray for people to... to you know, if, if protesting, if shouting is what you need to do to get it out, then get it out. But pray for healing. Let that be a step of healing. Don't let, this, don't let this time of the expression of anger go to waste. Let's pray for healing. Not just that the criminals will be arrested. How about we just pray for the healing of our nation? Pray for the healing of our church. Not just because of this, but because of what has been going on for 400 years. Pray for the healing of our church. Isaiah 61, verse, verses 1 through 3. <laughs> this is a messianic prophecy about Jesus. And he said, first time he got up and spoke in the synagogue, he read this. And he said, this prophecy is fulfilled in me today. It says, the spirit, of the, Lord of God, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. That prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus started his ministry and as he ministered. But when you remember, when Jesus left the earth, he gave us the responsibility of carrying out his ministry. So now this is what we're supposed to be doing. Bringing freedom to the captives. Bringing peace to the brokenhearted. Mending and repairing. Providing healing for those who have been hurt 
That's not just physical healing. And we're not talking about um, the faith healing and things like that. What we're talking about is repairing relationships, repairing lives. Oh, you may not be the one that broke it, but why can't you be the one that fixes it? One of the most frustrating things as a parent, if you have more than one child, is when one makes a, one does something, you don't really know who did it, but you say, hey, you know, so-and-so, he's not the one that made the mess, but hey, could you just pick that up for me? And well, I didn't do it. So, but, but what's the problem with just picking it up, right? Just pick it up. What's the big deal? Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't have slaves. I'm not a racist. Okay, that might be true. But why can't you be part of fixing the problem? Why, why does it have to be your fault? Why can't you just own it and move forward in trying to bring healing to a matter? Third, we need to learn to love others, all others. We need to love, learn to love others, all others. Paul David Tripp said, the church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people bring their faith in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he designed. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. And you know that just reaching out a hand of love and compassion and saying, can we talk, could break down walls, could break down, could, could melt icy hearts. John 15, 11 and 12 says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. There is no qualification on skin tone in that command. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's very essence is love. Love emanates from God. He is the source of all love. When you love others, you are loving like Jesus loved. You are acting like Jesus. You are acting like God himself. Lastly, build bridges, not walls. Build bridges, not walls. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, we focus on the son because he was out doing his thing, right? Out causing all kinds of mayhem and living a life that was horrible. But as a father, I focus on the dad because the dad was there. The dad stayed there. He was waiting for his son to return. And when his son returned, he didn't put qualifications or conditions on it. He knew that his son's road had been brutal. He simply built a bridge for his son to cross to return home. Did you get that? The father knew what his son had been doing. 
and his father knew that he had wasted his fortune. Yet the father didn't throw that around his son's neck. He simply built a bridge that all his son needed to do was cross to come home, making it difficult for people to come back, building walls that keep them from even trying to come back is counterproductive to kingdom building. Build bridges, not walls. Make their return to grace easy. Make their return to grace easy. Make that, make that reconciliation process, whether it be a divided relationship in church, whether it be a divided relationship in family, or whether it be a divided relationship in race. Let the return be easy by building a bridge that will be easy to cross. We don't have to rehash things. We don't have to refight the Civil War. We don't have to prove our knowledge of history. We don't have to get, white people, we don't have to give our lineage to prove our non-racism. We simply need to build a bridge so that it's easy for reconciliation to happen. John Folk said, there's no more confused message that you and I could give to a lost and dying world than to live in sin and at the same time to tell people about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. There isn't a more confusing thing we can do to our kids and the generation behind us to this world. God will not use a compromised life to reach a compromised world. God will use a life that is given over to him that is, in a, that is a demonstration of the message that through the power of Jesus Christ and his love, he can transform our lives and set us free. R.C. Sproul said this, we should never be surprised when God keeps his word to forgive those who confess their sins. How cool is that? It should never surprise us that God forgives and welcomes back people who have sinned and walked away and confessed their sins. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us if we decide to accept responsibility for our part in racial division that when we start to move to reconcile, that God blesses that. <clears throat> Romans 12, 17 and 18 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, with everyone. People of color, people whose skin is bleached out and <laughs> so white. Live at peace with everyone. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 5, verses 17 through 30. Therefore, oh no, you're not going to bring this one in, are you? Yes, we are. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the, the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the ultimate goal. How do we deal with anger? We face it. 
We start to take active steps. After the anger is gone, after the anger is over, we've got to do something to repair. And we have to make those efforts. We have to take those steps. In a world that is in torment and turmoil, I don't really care what my family's history of centuries ago is all about. What I care about is that I have a brother or sister in Christ that is hurting and afraid, whether they're black, brown, or white, that needs healing and needs to be reconciled. What I care about is that the church needs to have the, the public understanding that we are united despite our differences. We need to reconcile. Because if we don't, people will die and go to hell. And that's the truth. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today. Lord, something that we took for granted for years, but now we understand the privilege of being here. Father, heal our nation, heal our people. And may we, as a people, as a church, as followers of you, understand our responsibility in the matter, not worry about anything else, Lord, but getting it right and getting it fixed. Pierce our hearts, Lord. May we love you beyond anything we could imagine. In your name we pray.